Hey, 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 welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 51 of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan, the Bernie Williams episode. Burn, baby, burn, baby. I am, as usual, your host, Brian Brennan, in the place to be. Happy Monday. Happy Memorial Day. Hope you're having a good one out there, folks. Um, I, I, I'm sorry I didn't do an episode on Friday. I'll, I'll tell you why I didn't do an episode on Friday. Um... I was just really busy on Thursday and Friday uh, this week. I just didn't have the time for it. Um, on Thursday, I was originally planning to go up to Frederick uh, to see Dylan McNiff. We were going to go to a Keys game, uh, which is something I, I've been meaning to. I, I talked about on this podcast in the past. Um, I've been trying to support as much minor league baseball as possible, so uh, I was looking forward to going to a Keys game, and then unfortunately. Uh, I ended up having to go to Robbie and Liz's house, Robbie Gross and Liz Gross, their house, to uh, pick up their keys because I was house-sitting for them. That's why I'm recording this episode now. I was ha- I'm was i house-sitting for the Gross family as they're out of town this Memorial Day weekend. So I had to, unfortunately, go pick something up on Thursday night. So instead of going to Frederick, I ended up hanging out with the Gross family instead, and it was a lot of fun. It was good to see them. We had a really good time. Um, and um, like I said, uh, I picked up the keys from them, and um, now that's, that's where... Uh, this is where I've been ever since uh, yesterday. Uh, I've I've been at their house, house sitting, chilling with their cat Neville, uh, just having a really good time. Uh, I um, I appreciate them letting me um, use, stay at their place. They're they have a very nice house, um, and I'm gonna try and um, I've been wanting to say this all week ever since I knew I was recording a podcast episode here. I'm gonna try and record the best podcast episode that's ever been recorded in this house. Um, so. Uh, that's pretty much how my weekend is going. Uh, I'm really enjoying house sitting um, for, uh, for Robbie and Liz. I uh, hope they're having a good time. Uh, unfortunately, not the best sports weekend for my team. I am recording this literally just seconds after the Knicks game four loss to the Atlanta Hawks. They are now down three games to one in the best of seven series it's not looking good they lost 113 to 96 this afternoon we'll recap that game we'll recap games two and three for you as well um as we uh as the knicks face the end of their season this magical season this magical ride that's been a lot of fun could be coming to an end folks could be coming to an end quicker than we expected so um We'll talk about that coming up next in Brian's Beloved. We'll also talk about the Yankees, who, uh, unfortunately, their game against the Tigers is not over yet, officially. Uh, their Sunday afternoon game against the Tigers. But as at the time of this intro recording, they are down 6-0. The seventh inning just ended. Uh, it's, and if it's... I mean, the Yankees have looked like garbage all weekend against the Tigers. Um, they also lost two out of three to Toronto at the stadium this week. Uh, so the Yankees are not playing their best baseball as well. They're dealing with some inju- they're dealing with some injuries as well. Um, they're struggling as well. We'll talk about that. We'll recap this unfortunate Detroit series uh, in Brian's beloved as well. And then we've got a loaded outro for you guys as well. A couple national stories uh, that I'm keeping my eye on, including uh, uh, my favorite Christian Pulisic, baby. I'm so excited to talk about. The Wonder Boy winning the Champions League. He's the first American to do it. I'm so excited. I'm so happy for Christian Pulisic and so proud of him to get it done. I've got an article for you on that, plus some other national stories as well. Um, Yeah, so again, I hope you're having a a good Memorial Day. Um, I hope you're enjoying your day off. Um, Michael Kay said something on his radio show that I think uh, makes a lot of sense. 
you know, we shouldn't be saying happy Memorial Day, you know? We should be, this is not a happy day. We are remembering fallen soldiers, people who died, people who gave their lives to defend our country. So Memorial Day is not really a happy holiday when when you think about it. But um, that's why I don't think we should necessarily say happy Memorial Day, but I do hope you're having a good day today. I hope you enjoy your day off if you are, you know, if you did, if you were working. And I hope, you know, you know, we're just, we're getting back to normal, folks. I mean, this appears to be one of the most normal weekends we've had since the pandemic hit in 2020. I mean, flight uh, travel at airport seems to be up uh, across the board. I think this is the busiest weekend since March 2020 since the pandemic happened when it comes to air travel. So that's, you know, we're getting our lives back to normal. Like I said, I'm house-sitting for Robbie and Liz. They're out of town. Um, it's it's good to be back doing that again. Um it, it's, it's just refreshing. I know Mike, Michael Edgley's out of town this week. He's in Kiowa uh, with Lee and Robbie, uh, Robbie Walsh, that is, not Robbie Gross, Robbie Walsh. Uh, and I know Tim Clark and his wife and their family are all, uh, they're in the mountains of North Carolina. They're in Asheville. So I know a lot of my friends are out of town this weekend. Um, so, um, and so it's just good. It's good. That's good. I like seeing that actually because it means we're getting our lives back to normal. It means we are getting uh, back on the straight and narrow when it comes to uh, our lives. Um, and shout out to the vaccines again for making a lot of that possible. So, all right, folks, I think I've done the intro long enough now. Uh, unfortunately, I, I mean, I, like, I, I've been doing the intro long enough to delay the fact that I have to talk about the Knicks being down three games to one to the Atlanta Hawks in this series and um, the Yankees, who are about to be swept by the Detroit Tigers, in Brian's Beloved. Uh, this isn't going to be a very fun edition of Brian's Beloved. But let's get into it, folks. Let's get into today's rendition of Brian's Beloved. Here we go. Alright folks, it is time for today's rendition of Brian's Beloved, where we talk about my favorite teams and how they did this week, and folks, my teams are not doing very good this week, Uh, just to put it mildly, they have struggled, especially this weekend, Uh, the Knicks lost games 3 and 4 on Friday and today, Sunday, the day I'm recording, to the Atlanta Hawks to go down 3 games to 1, the Yankees are on the verge of getting swept against the Detroit Tigers, it's been a rough weekend, but unfortunately, you know, I am committed to talking about all of it because it is my podcast and we talk about my teams on my podcast, whether they do good or bad or in between, honestly. So we will talk about the Knicks and the Yankees and we're going to start with the Knicks because they are in the playoffs. That's more important, folks. But first, I'd be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to the one and only Bernie Williams. One of my favorite Yankees of all time, the pride of Puerto Rico. Um, The reason he wore 51 was because he believed that Puerto Rico should be the 51st state. And I always loved Bernie for that. I always loved Bernie's clutch performance. Anytime he came up in a big spot, you felt good with Bernie Williams at the plate. That's why this is the Bernie Williams episode. I'd be remiss if I didn't give Bernie Williams a little bit of love. You know, John Sterling always used to say, Bernie goes boom, or burn, baby, burn, whenever he did something big. So um, let's give some love to the most underappreciated Yankee of all 
time. Yes, I said it, folks. I like how loud I can get in Robbie's house. There's nobody else here. There's nobody here. I'm not, like, worried about pissing off Justin or anything like that. I can get as loud as I want in Robbie's house. Bernie Williams is the most underappreciated Yankee of all time. Everybody talks about the core four, and the core four did some great things. Don't get me wrong, but Bernie Williams takes a backseat to no one. That's why episode 51, the episode you're hearing today, is the Bernie Williams episode. Burn, baby, burn, baby. All right, uh, enough of that. Um, let's get into the Knicks uh, portion of Brian's Beloved. Uh, I know we traditionally start things off uh, by playing a certain song around here, but I don't know. Do you guys think the song might be bad luck at this point? I, I don't know. Like, I mean, we've been playing it. Uh, like, and now they're, you know, at the start of the series, I mentioned how um, the person who wrote the song, Jesse Eitzler, is now in the Atlanta Hawks ownership group. Maybe you know, maybe there's some bad juju associated with the song. But you know what? We are going to play the song anyways. I know we're down three games to one. I know I'm really disappointed in this team right now. And it looks like the bubble is bursting a little bit, folks. I, I'll be the first to admit that. It looks like the bubble is starting to burst a little bit for the Knicks. But we've been playing this song all season. We're not about to let a 3-1 deficit in the playoffs stop us now. Hit the music! We won't play the whole song today. in your face. Alright, that's enough. I, I, I can't play, I really can't justify playing the whole song after the way they've played these last two games, honestly, the way they're facing the end of their season at this point, it's not a happy time to be a Knicks fan, folks. It really isn't. After watching game four today and after watching the last two games against the Hawks, really, if you watched all four games of the series, they've been outplayed by the Hawks. The Hawks have been the better team. I mean, I have no shame in admitting it. They could have won game one. Trey Young hits the shot that wins it. They do win game two. We'll recap that in just a second. And they get absolutely embarrassed in games three and four, honestly. Hawks were much better than them in games three and four, especially today. So this is a series, uh, like, the Knicks, they, they could, it's not over yet. You don't want to say it's over. You don't want to say it's over. I'll never say it's over. I'll never count this team out. I'm very proud of them. I love this team very much. And uh, I'm, you know, constantly impressed by them. And so I'm not going to say a 3-1 deficit is going to end their season for sure, but it's not looking good. It's not looking good. We'll start with the game they actually won, the 101-92 to victory against the Atlanta Hawks on Wednesday, game two of the series. Um, they kind of struggled in this. You know, it's funny. I mentioned the Hawks have been the better team in this series, but they could have won. the Hawks could have won this game too. 
they had a 14-point lead in the second quarter. Like at one point, though, that again, the Knicks got off to a slow start. They were down seven after the first quarter, and then they were down they were down six more. They were down thirteen at halftime in this game, but they turned around in a big way in those third, in the third, and the fourth quarter in this one, led by Derrick Rose again. I mean, we we I mean, Derrick Rose has just been one the lone bright spot, honestly, in these playoff games so far for this team, and he really carried the Knicks in this one. They scored thirty-two in the third quarter. Uh, 25 in the fourth, and really held the Hawks to under 20 in both quarters. Um, yeah, a, a pretty um, a pretty impressive victory, especially that third quarter. They were able to completely turn it around. It got to a point where you're just like, oh yeah, they're definitely winning this game. Like you know, we've seen it enough times with this team where you know they can come back in games, and um, if you get to a certain point, you, you know, you're like, we got them, we got them, and um, that happened again in this game, and. Uh, the Knicks ended up pulling away for a 101 to 92 victory, despite another 30 points from Trey Young, who was spit on in this game. Um, now, look, I have talked about the the fans, the chanting and stuff, the fuck Trey Young chants and all that stuff. I mentioned that in the last episode. I am okay with that. I am, you know what? That's fine. Mike Breen in Game Two of this series was like. We're better than this, New York. Like you know, we're 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 not you know we're not a, the type of crowd that does this. We're high, we have more class than this. And my first thought was, Mike, Mike Breen, have, have you? How long have you been living in New York, man? I mean, we chant stuff like this all the time. That's just how it is. That's how we are. It's, you know, and I, I, it's just how things are going to be. Now, look, I'm okay with the chance. I really am. Like. I, I, you want to chant "fuck Trey Young"? You want to chant, you know, Trey is balding. <laughs> that was another good one too. Uh, they had at the Garden during this game. You want to do all that? That's fine. I do not condone spitting on people. That is absolutely disgusting, repugnant. I, I do not support that at all. Shame on the Knicks fan who did that. He, we, he does not. We, he is not representative representative of our fan base. Okay. He, that guy is an asshole, and he deserves what happened to him. He got a lifetime ban from Madison Square Garden, and he absolutely deserves it. Yankees are about to score two runs on a Glaber Torres RBI single, so um, they're down six two now, or six one now. Only one run scored. Forgot this team can't really run the bases, but yeah. Um, anyway, Trey Young, uh, you do not deserve to be spit at. You, Trey Young is the enemy. We have all united against a common enemy here at Madison Square Garden, and that would be Trey Young. We've been booing him. We've been chanting at him all game. And look, we, we, we don't like the guy, clearly. He's the enemy, as I've called him already. He is the enemy, but he does not deserve to be spit on him. There's absolutely no, no justification for that at all. And the guy who did it rightfully lost his seat at Madison Square Garden for the rest of his life, and that is good to see. Um, I don't know who these fans think they are. That guy in Philadelphia who threw popcorn at Russell Westbrook, too. Very uncool, if you ask me. We need better behavior from fans across the board. I, I It marred what was a great Nick victory. They came back. Like I said, they were down in the, four, the second quarter. They came back, had a huge third quarter, won this game 101-92. Let's go into the box score for the Knicks in this one. Um, Again, not a great night for Julius Randle. Um, he had he had just won the Most Improved Player Award. Congratulations to Julius. Um, 
and um, he had struggled in game one, if you'll remember. And I, I kind of thought maybe the award, getting the award, it was presented to him by his son after practice. It was a really nice moment, really cool moment, too. I thought that might spark Julius Randle a bit, but not really. He kind of struggled again. I don't know what the Hawks are doing to him in this series. Uh, we'll talk about his game three performance as well. But he was 5 of 16 shooting, only 2 of 7 from 3, 15 points for Julius. Um, he did have 12 rebounds. Um, Jarek Rose was the star, like I said. Uh, when he came in, it completely turned things around. That's why he was put into the starting lineup in Game 3, which we'll talk about in a second. But Derek Rose had 26 points, 9 of 21 shooting, 2 of 3, off, the two of three from 3 off the bench, uh, 39 minutes for D. Rose. He's a beast. Um, Obi Toppin had a really nice, um, it was Burks to Toppin on the assist, a really great alley-oop in the fourth quarter, that was like the, the dagger, Mike, the bang, Mike, Bro- Mike Breen type moment, um, so Obi had some big moments as well off the bench, um, Alec Burks had 11 points, including that, and that huge assist as well, he had two assists and eight rebounds as well in 30 minutes, um, but let's give some love. To the one and only, you know what's coming, folks, Reggie Bullock. I love that guy, folks. He had one of his best games of the season. He had four three-pointers in this game, and they were all huge. All of them were in the second half, if I'm not mistaken. Reggie Bullock had a big game in this one to help the Knicks even this series up at one game apiece. RJ struggled a bit, too. Uh, Five of 14 shooting in 26 minutes. Um... And Alfred Payton is useless. Again, only five minutes, 0 for 2. He had one single point from the free throw line. And that was it from Alfred Payton. And we haven't heard from him since. And um, that's been a good thing. Now, unfortunately, we have to talk about um, some bad news with Nerlens Noel. He um, has been banged up. I mentioned it in the last episode. He got banged up towards the end of game one. And it's clearly affected him the rest of the series. He only played 17 minutes. He started this game. Has not started games three or four. So um, he only played 17 minutes. Taj Gibson came off the bench and played six minutes. Now, I love Taj Gibson. It's the pride of Fort Greene. And um, what he does can't be measured sometimes in terms of points. But Nerlens Noel is a big piece. And we need Nerlens Noel out there. The team is clearly missing Nerlens Noel. The Hawks have a lot of size. At John Collins, Clint Capella, even Okongwu is pretty good too. So they, this is a this is a good Hawks team, and we Gallo. This is they've got size, and um, we're limited at size already without Noel being hurt. So now Noel is hurt on top of that. Uh, just very quickly into the Hawks box score. Uh, I mentioned Trey had thirty points and uh, got spit on one time as well. Uh, DeAndre Hunter had 18 points. Bogdanovich had 18 points as well. Kevin Herter, ooh. Tim Clark almost made a fatal mistake in our friendship this weekend. He texted me, I'm rooting for the Hawks because of Kevin Herter. Like, Tim, watch what you say, sir. Do you know who you're talking to right now, man? Like, come on. I know Kevin Herter's your boy and he went to Maryland, but, ugh, Kevin Herter, I cannot stand Kevin Herter, and even more so after this series. Uh, and he had 10 points. I'll just say Kevin Herter had 10 points in this game. Lou Will had five off the bench. Gallo had six off the bench as well. This is a good Hawks team, and they did a good job. Um, the Yankees just got thrown out on the bases again. Ugh. We'll talk about this in the Yankees segment. But yeah, this is a good Hawks team. They have a lot of depth. 
Um, John Collins had a goose egg as well in this game. Um, and that was, you know, that's good, obviously, but I knew that wasn't going to happen again. I knew that was a fluke that John Collins had zero points in this game in 15 minutes. I knew something clearly had to have been bothering him or something like that. Um, but he um, had a goose egg. That leads us into game three. Now, I mentioned Alfred Payton has been the starting point guard pretty much all season. Tom Thibodeau has not wavered from the starting five he's been putting out there in damn near every game. So as we go into game five, I mentioned the Noel injury clearly affecting him. It clearly limited him. It's clearly limited him this whole series. Taj Gibson gets put into the starting lineup. And not only that, Alfred Payton gets moved from the starting lineup to the bench. Derek Rose finally gets put into the starting lineup. Now, Derek Rose would be great in this game, in this game three. Uh, he had 30 points. He was 13 to 21 shooting. He was incredible. D Rose was great. Three of five from three as well. I can't say enough about D Rose, man. I love Derek Rose. He came to, he's come to play in every game. He's the only one who has come to play in every game of this series so far. Without a doubt, Derek Rose. Um, unfortunately, the rest of the Knicks decided not to show up. They left their talent behind in New York, honestly. Because, uh, oof, man. Let's start with Julius Randle, our MVP. Ugh, it was garbage in this game. Two of 15 shooting. Oh, and they were both three-pointers. Two of 15 shooting and 14 points, 11 rebounds. Another awful night for our MVP in this series. Uh, I don't know what the Hawks are doing. They asked John Collins after this game, what are you guys doing to neutralize Julius Randle? And he said, it's a secret. They'll never tell us, folks. And Julius Randle was shut down again. 2 of 15, probably his worst game of the season, honestly. R.J. Barrett, another bad game. 2 of 9. Only seven points for RJ. Um, I mentioned um, Noel came off the bench in this one. He played 22 minutes. He had 12 points and eight rebounds, but clearly still bothered by that injury. Uh, it's clearly affecting him. Alec Burks only had eight points off the bench as well. Uh, Taj had four points. Reggie Black had 11 points. The difference maker in this game folks was the second quarter hang on just give me a second i lost it for a second i'll pull up the box score for you here ah yes in that second quarter the knicks were atrocious just embarrassing honestly they had no business being on the same floor as the hawks in the second quarter they were outscored 29 to 13 embarrassing effort you got to do better than that this is the playoffs you're telling me that's the worst that's the best you can do only 13 points that, that's clearly what cost them. They lost the game by 11 points. They have any, anything remotely resembling a decent quarter. They're, they're somewhat in this game. Unfortunately, you know, that, third, that second quarter really was what cost them. Trey Young had another big game for the Hawks. He had 21 points. Um, John Collins, like I said, there was no way he was going to go zero. He was going to have a zero-point game again. After game two, he had 14. Uh, DeAndre Hunter had 11. Uh, Bogdanovich had 15. Clint Capella had 13 and 12. Uh, Gallo had 12 off the bench. Kevin Herter, mm, I hate Kevin Herter. 
Um, had 10 points, including three three pointers, and Lou Will also scored nine points off the bench. This Hawks team's good, folks. They have a lot of depth. And one thing I did not realize, um, when I heard the Knicks were playing the Hawks, I was really excited because I was like, my first thought, as selfish as this sounds, my first thought as a Knicks fan was extra home games. Book it. I thought it was going to be all Knicks fans in Atlanta. Atlanta brought a legit crowd with them. In fact, I believe they're 18-2, and two, including today's game, Sunday's game, in their last 20 games at State Farm Arena in Atlanta. They're a very good home team. What, what, I mean, what can I say? They are a real, they, they play well in Atlanta, and they proved it in this game. They defended their home court. I feel bad for Spike Lee for wasting all that money on tickets and airfare. I mean, he's really rich. He can afford it, but uh, <laughs> all that money to go down to Atlanta to see them lose these two games has sucked. Has, has sucked. Um, these, these two games have been brutal. Um, today's game, game four of the series. Let's, I'll say Julius Randle probably played his best game of the series. Um, he had 23 points. And again, the rest of the it's like one guy shows up and the rest of the team does not. Especially in that third quarter, they were terrible. They were only down four at halftime. I was like, we got this. I texted Sam Carr. I was like, dude, we got this. We're going to win this game. Like, There's no way we're not going to lose this game. They were only down four going into the half. In the, thir- in the third quarter, Atlanta just absolutely put the hammer down. They scored 35 points in that third quarter to pull away um, a dominating effort. They were up 17 after the, after the third quarter. Another bad quarter. Like I said, the second quarter on Friday, third quarter today is what doomed the Knicks. Just one bad quarter. I don't want to make it seem like that's the reason they lost. They've been completely outplayed by Atlanta in this series. Atlanta has been the better team by far. But I will say one bad series is what's cost this team this like uh, one bad one bad one one bad quarter, excuse me, is what's really cost this team in this series. They lose today's game 113 to 96. They are down three games to one to the Hawks and on the precipice of their season ending. Game five of this series will be Wednesday at Madison Square Garden. And the Knicks will have to win that game, obviously, to keep their season alive. Let's go into the box score. I mentioned Julius had his best game of the season, uh, best game of the series, honestly. Um, I meant to say uh, 7 of 19 shooting, 23 points, 2 of 4 from 3, 10 rebounds as well. Reggie Bullock had a bad, bad game. In fact, I'm not even going to bestow the nickname that I've been bestowing on him all season. He doesn't deserve it, folks. He had his worst game of the season. 0 of 4 shooting. Um, Awful. Awful from Reggie. In fact... He got a technical foul towards the end of the game. Now, I want to point out something. I don't want to sound like a hypocrite. You guys remember that Memphis game at the towards the end of the season? It was the second game on the Knicks' six-game road trip towards the end of the season. I said towards the end of that game that um, when John Morant got teed up and tossed and then the Memphis, their coach, I can't remember their coach's name, uh, he got teed up and tossed as well. I said on this podcast, on this very podcast, Tom Thibodeau would never allow the Knicks to be undisciplined and to lose their shit like that. It happened twice at the end of this game, and it's unacceptable. Reggie Bullock 
got a tech, dumb technical. He went to argue against the Hawks bench. Easy, the, the, the dumb tech. Like you just stay in, on the bench. All you had to do was just walk to the bench, Reggie. All you had to do. Instead, he gets the technical foul, and then Julius Randle gets hit with the flagrant on Gallo towards the end of the game. They're starting to lose their discipline. They're starting to lose their cool, and it is frustrating to see, folks. It really is. I look. I. It's starting to unravel for the Knicks, and it's frustrating to watch. It really is. It really is. Um, just going back to the box score, D. Rose had another great game. Like I said, only Nick to really show up consistently during this series. He had 18 points in this game. Uh, R.J. Barrett, 21 points. He played his best game in the series as well. It was still not enough. Obi Toppin had 13 points, a lot of them in garbage time. Alec Burks had 12 points as well. Um, yeah, this was a bad loss. Uh, I'll go to the Hawks box score for a minute. Trey Young again is a beast. This guy is, a, he's really good. He's the new enemy folks. He's the new, I don't want to say he's the new Reggie Miller. It's not quite that bad yet, but he's the new, he's, you know, this is the guy This is our u- new United enemy for Knicks fan is, is Trey Young, honestly. And he was great in this game. He had 27 points, nine of 21 shooting four of 14 from three. Um, He's just a beast. John Collins at bounce back again. 22 points, 8 rebounds, 6 of 10 shooting for Collins as well. Capella had 10 points, 15 rebounds. Gallo. You think Gallo likes playing against the Knicks, folks, the team that traded him? He scored 21 points. Everybody except for two guys on the Hawks team played in this one. That's how much of a blowout it was. Basically emptied their entire bench. That punk Kevin Herter that Tim loves so much had 11 points as well in this game. Oh, man. I hate the Hawks, honestly. I, I Now it's just like, now I cannot stand the Hawks, honestly. After these last couple of games, I legitimately, I have a new enemy team in the NBA that I really can't stand, folks. And it's the Atlanta Hawks. It's a be careful what you wish for thing, folks. What did we say? What did I say? I said I wanted Atlanta. I wanted to avoid Miami. I wanted to avoid Milwaukee. Those were the teams I did not want to play. Now the Knicks are down 3-1 to the Hawks. The season could be over as soon as Wednesday night. I don't want to sound, you know, dire, drastic, but that's the reality right now. Knicks lose on Wednesday, their season is done. I'm proud of this team no matter what. I'm on record saying that I love these guys. They make me proud to be from New York. They make me proud to be a Knicks fan. I love this Knicks team very much, guys. I really do. But um as far as, um, you know, this, they've run into a wall with this Atlanta team. This Atlanta team has been a challenge for them in all aspects of the game. Atlanta is absolutely playing better basketball than the Knicks right now. They even, they even won a game at Madison Square Garden. We all talked about how tough Madison Square Garden is. We talked about how great the crowd is at Madison Square Garden. They won game one. So anyway, Wednesday will be game five. That's how they're doing this series, folks. They're doing Wednesday, Friday, Sunday with this series. Um, 
Game five will be Wednesday, so we get two days to marinate in this awful loss today to the Hawks. That was torture, and I have to think about how the Knicks season could be coming to an end for two days straight, basically. Ugh. Look, I think they're going to win game five. I don't think they're going to end their season in five games. That would just be depressing. And I think the crowd is going to carry them to victory in game five. I think the crowd is going to be amazing in that game five for sure. If it's anything like it's been the first two games of the series, that Madison Square Garden, that game five crowd is going to carry them to victory. So I think they'll at least force a game five. But game six in Atlanta, not looking good, folks. Not looking good at all. Atlanta might just be a better team. That might just be how it is. But um, like I said, I'm perpetually proud of this team. It's been a great building block. It's been a great season. Um, You know what? Honestly, I'm going to play a little more music for you guys here. I'm going to play my guy Drugs Only. Maybe this will wake the Knicks up a little bit here. My guy Drugs Only, um, he did a Knicks um, mixtape. And let's see if this will wake the Knicks up a little bit. Here's a little uh, Knicks music for you guys here from my guy, Drugs Only. That's got to be the and magician. I think we see Willis coming out. Willis there he comes right now. Six feet ten from Grambling. The captain of the Knicks and his valuable player of the NBA. Down the lane. Rudy Gobert on the front row. And the New York Knicks have become the second number eight team in NBA history to knock off a number one. New York Knicks be back. Spotting up for the three, all quick pass behind your back. Block your man off the paint when you crash the balls. Five seconds on the clock, so it's time to score. You better step up your game. There's no bigger place than the garden. You officially on the biggest stage. Hit them with the cross or the fade away. Let them know it's not a game that you came to play. It's time to rest for the city. New York is the mecca. Anybody come in our house, you gotta check them. Can't forget legends like War or King. P.E. in the paint or starts from three. Melo had the guard of rocking when he joined the team. The future looking right for our next regime. With our two cornerstones, R.J. and Mitch, watch the Knicks at night. New York Knicks. I keep hearing New York that and New York this. Nobody run New York like the New York Knicks. I keep hearing New York that and New York this. Nobody run New York but the New York Knicks. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I just want to try something a little different. Maybe this will bring them some good luck. My guy Dunbar helped produce this. My guy Drugs Only is doing it. Big Knicks man. Check out the Knicks tape if you get the chance. I mentioned it on a previous episode. Uh, it's, it's just a song about the Knicks. Or mixtape about the Knicks. But yeah, Knicks got to... Um, that I hope that can spark them a little bit. Check it out, drugs only. Um, yeah, but let's let's just hope they can keep the season alive, folks. Let's just hope this magical season that's just been so much fun to watch just continues and they win this game on Wednesday. And that's all I got to say on the Knicks. I'm going to very quickly uh, go over what's happening in the other series across the NBA. Uh, I am recording this on Sunday afternoon. The Lakers are playing right now against the Phoenix Suns. Um, I'll give you a score on that in a second. But I wanted to talk about, uh, first off, Milwaukee just swept aside Miami like it was nothing. Um, Other than that game one, not a very easy series, or not a very difficult series for the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, who get their revenge after the Heat eliminated them in the bubble last year. I thought the Bucks were a better team than the Heat in the bubble last year. I just think that maybe being in the bubble... 
uh, contributed to uh, a, a, a slow uh, a slow start for Milwaukee. Honestly, uh, the Denver uh, Portland series is really good. It's tied at two. Portland blew out Denver uh, yesterday, uh, so that series is tied at two. I'm sorry to my friends who are Wizards fans, uh, Tim and Mike, and the person whose house I'm staying in right now, Robbie Gross. Uh, but it's not looking good. You guys lost by 29 points to the 76ers last night. I remember um, Michael Edgley even texted us in the second quarter of that game. He's like, yeah, we're getting swept. So uh, that game, game four of that series is Monday night, tonight, when you'll be listening to this episode. And uh, the Jazz um, are up 2-1 on the Memphis Grizzlies as well. I haven't watched a ton of that series. I know Donovan Mitchell was out for the first game, and Memphis won that first game. So uh, Utah steals back home court by winning game three in Memphis last night. Um, The Suns-Lakers game just started. Uh, Like I said, I'm recording after the Knicks game. So the Suns-Lakers game just started. The Lakers are leading that series two games to one. But I am really rooting for the Phoenix Suns, folks. I I cannot stand the Lakers. Like, I just can't stand the flopping, the whining. They're just a bunch of whiners. I can't stand the Lakers. So hopefully Phoenix evens this series up. But it's going to be tough. Uh, like the Lakers are playing at full strength right now, um, and the Clippers—I'm I, I, sorry—the Suns. Uh, Chris Paul is clearly banged up. He's clearly hurt. He's clearly dealing with something. So it's gonna be tough for them. Um, the Nets Celtics game game four of that series is tonight. Uh, sorry to Ethan and uh, my—I uh, don't have any friends who are Nets fans, honestly. Uh, so I don't—I don't really care what they think. But uh, I do have, I am friends with Ethan, and Ethan's a big Celtics fan. So uh, I'm sorry I'm recording this before that game is being played, Ethan. But um, let's see if the Celtics can even that up. Um, I know the Celtics won game three in Boston. Um, look, I'm just sick of the Nets. You guys know I can't stand the Nets. Um, and by the way, if, if the Knicks do by some miracle advance, uh, Madison Square Garden will be packed to the gills, 19,000 strong, fully vaccinated. So that is something to shoot for. If you need a reason to come back, come back for that, Knicks. Uh, the Nets won't have anything close to that. I'm sick of the Nets. I'm sick of Kyrie. I'm sick of, like, Ky- look, uh, I have been, look, if you guys know me, I am, like, the first person to call Boston out for being racist. It's, like, something I have been doing since I was, like, 10 years old. It's, just, it's an easy thing to do. If you're from New York and you want to call Boston out for something, call them out for being racist. It's, like, the easiest trick in the book. Kyrie is a hundred, like, I, I know a hundred percent athletes in Boston have been dealing with racism for years. It's just how, it's just how it is. Unfortunately, it's really sad. It's awful. It's just how it is. Unfortunately, uh, many, many athletes in Boston have dealt with racism in the past, but Kyrie didn't even have to bring it up yet. He did for some reason. And, um, and it, it makes me wonder, like, you know, I, I kind of wonder, like, I don't want to, you know, make Celtics fans sound bad here, but, like, you know, they, I, I wonder if it was like, well, you, you know, we weren't going to be racist, but now that you've brought it up, like, that's one thing I worry about, and I hope that doesn't happen. I hope that's not what happens in Boston, but Tristan Thompson had a pretty, had some pretty strong words about it as well. Um, like, anybody wants to be racist, fight me, basically, in Boston. Um... So we'll see how that game four goes tonight. I'll be watching that here at Robbie's house. Uh, Robbie's got three TVs, for those of you who don't know. So plenty of options to watch sports on. I just didn't think that – I just, you know, honestly just thought that was weird that Kyrie would even call that out, honestly. 
So I am rooting for the Celtics in that game. Uh, so hopefully they can even the series up uh, in Boston tonight. Um, but this could be old takes exposed by the time it's done. And the Clippers Mavericks series has been great. Um, I'm not a huge fan of either of those teams. Um, I don't love the Mavericks, obviously, because they have one of my least favorite people on the planet Earth in Kristaps Porzingis. But they do have Luka Doncic, who is amazing, and Tim Hardaway Jr., who is a Nick for multiple stints, and we liked him multiple times when he was on the Knicks. Um, and the Clippers are just the most the least likable team this side of the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, you want to talk about an unlikable basketball team. The LA Clippers are extremely unlikable in my opinion. But nonetheless, I digress. This has been a very good series. And um, so far, the road team has won the first three games of the series. Uh, the Mavericks won the first two games in LA, and the Clippers responded by winning Game 3 in Dallas. So can the Clippers return the favor and win Game 4 in Dallas tonight as well? That remains to be seen. We will see if that happens. You're going to be listening to this. The game will have already happened. Uh, and then, so I'll just say tonight, Monday, we've got two games, the 76ers and the Wizards at 7 o'clock. 76ers going for the sweep. I think they'll get it. And the Jazz uh, looking to go up three games to one on the Memphis Grizzlies. That is your very quick NBA playoff update across the board. And that just about does it for the Knicks segment of Brian's Beloved. The Yankees game is just about to end against the Detroit Tigers. So uh, we might as well get into this week for the Yankees. Uh, it hasn't been fun. Uh, we'll recap all. It has much like the Knicks. The Yankees week has not been a whole lot of fun either. We'll recap all that coming up next. All right, folks. The Yankees just got swept by the Detroit Tigers. Yes. Those same last place Detroit Tigers. Uh, Yankees just got owned by them <laughs> in three games at Comerica Park this weekend. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, hmm, not their best baseball. Not their best weekend. Not a whole lot of fun. Um, but first we have to recap the, um, the Toronto series as well, which they also lost two out of three in. So uh, that's not a whole lot of fun either. Uh, and there was also some injuries as well in the Toronto series as well. Um, we'll start with Kluber. Uh, now, because, um, well, the Yankees, actually, their starting pitchers had come into um, this series, the Tuesday game against Toronto, having not given up a run in over a week, basically. Since that game where J-Mo gave up the runs in Texas, the Yankees starters had gone an entire time through the rotation Without giving up a run. So we were like, how are they going to top that? How is Corey Kluber going to possibly top throwing a no-hitter? Too like, how could he possibly do any better than that? Well, um, getting hurt is one way, I guess. Um, without even Before we even get to that, uh, he the scoring streak, uh, the starters' uh, shutout streak, uh, ended in the top of the third inning. Uh, Kluber got two shutout innings. Um, and I will say, Kluber, um, anybody who watched this game can tell you, Kluber did labor a little bit. He was throwing a lot more balls than he had against Texas. Obviously, he threw a no-hitter where only one guy reached base the last start against Texas. Um, so he was laboring a little bit. Um, and so um, he finally gave up some runs, to, uh, this time to Vlad Guerrero Jr. I just love Vlad Guerrero Jr., folks. This guy's just a, just love this guy so much. Uh, I'm a big Vlad Guerrero Jr. fan. Uh, tortures the Yankees. Uh, a lot of Blue Jays players torture the Yankees. And Vlad Guerrero Jr. 
is no different, hitting his 16th home run of the year into the Yankees' bullpen to make it 2 to nothing. Blue Jays, and Kluber would finish the inning, and then he would be done. They took him out. And everybody was like, what? So everybody was like, what's going to happen? To, or what's happening with Corey Kluber? What is his injury? Um, so hang on. Let me give you what exactly the exact injury for Corey Kluber. Let me, let me give you the uh, – well, I don't want I don't want like the replacements in the uh, – who could be replacing him? Not Luis Severino. He has – oh, yes. So here's what's happening with Corey Kluber. This is the injury he suffered – uh, in this Toronto game. He has a subscapular strain in his right rotator cuff. He will be shut down four weeks of non-throwing and then four weeks of building the arm strength back up. So that's eight weeks. Corey Kluber's going to be out for basically eight weeks. Um, and it's going to suck. It's going to suck because he was he was doing really well. He was pitching much better. Um, he'd just thrown a no-hitter, for Christ's sake. How, I, how much better does it get than that? And then um, now he's um, out for eight weeks. It's a brutal injury. It's a brutal blow to the Yankees' rotation. And um, it sucks, honestly. Kluber was just hitting his stride. He threw a no-hitter. Like, are you kidding me? Ugh. So anyway, with Mike King in for the rest of the game, uh, or for some of the rest of the game, Mike King came in to replace Kluber, I should say. Uh, he gave up a home run in the fourth inning to Goriel. Uh, Lord is Goriel. Uh... That made it 3 nothing. Um, in the top of the 7th inning, no scoring until uh, the top of the 7th inning. Blue Jays load the bases. Uh, and Santiago Espinal hits a ground ball to Glaber. Glaber throws it wildly. And um, two runs score on the play. Ugh, more bad defense. Uh, more bad defense from Glaber as well. We're not done saying an error by Glaber Torres, by the way, this week as well. That made it five to nothing. Toronto Blue Jays. Yankees scored a run in the bottom of the seventh inning to make it five one. Higgy hit an RBI single. But then the Yankee killer in the top of the ninth inning off Justin Wilson. Not the last home run Justin Wilson would give up this week. Uh, Grandel Grichuk hits a home run to dead center field. This guy tortures the Yankees. I was texting uh, Chris Crawford. Chris Crawford's a good friend of mine. We went to college together. He's a big Toronto Blue Jays fan. I was thinking, like, dude, I cannot stand your team. They torture the Yankees, especially Randall Grichuk. This guy kills the Yankees. It's unbelievable. That made it 6-1, and um, that that was pretty much it. They scored another run. Higgy drove in another run in the top of the ninth inning to make it 6-2. That was it. Uh, Yankees lost 6-2. Kluber gets credited with the loss. Tough, Tough night for him. He gets the injury. And um, then he gets the loss as well. Um, Mike King pitched three innings. He only gave up one earned run. Uh, Litke gave up two runs, but neither of them were earned because of the Glaber throwing error. Uh, Sessa pitched a clean inning. Justin Wilson gave up the home run to Gritchuk. Uh, as far as the Yankees' batting order was concerned, DJ LeMahieu was out of this game. Now everybody was freaking out. Now, as Yankees' Twitter is prone to do, everybody was freaking out when they saw DJ LeMahieu was out of this game. Turns out his wife had just given birth, which is really exciting. Congratulations to DJ LeMahieu and his wife as well um, on the birth of their first child. I believe it's a daughter. So congratulations to them. Luke Voigt, whose wife actually is pregnant in her own right, um, and due to go, and I'm not sure, I haven't really, I'll be honest, I've been in full Knicks mode for the last couple of days 
So I'm not sure if um, Luke, Voigt, Luke Voigt's wife uh, has given birth yet. Um, but he actually led off in this game because DJ was out. Now, Luke is going to have a lot more time to spend with his child because, um, well, we'll talk about that in a second. But in this game, Luke went 1 for 4. Uh, Gleyber Torres went 0 for 4 and made the big error. Uh, Judge, 1 for 3. Gio, 1 for 4. Gary Sanchez, 0 for 4. Uh, the, only one, the only guys who had more than one hits were Clint Frazier, who was playing better. Let's give Clint Frazier a little bit of love. And Kyle Higashioka, who drove in two runs um, in this one. He got two hits and four at-bats. Uh, but other than that, crappy Yankees loss. Um, they had more bad defense, two errors in this game. Uh, not a whole lot of scoring. They only scored two runs in this game. And, uh, yeah, a, a, you know, a team that in Toronto that um, just in general seems to have their number. Now, the next game was rained out uh, on Wednesday, but that, did, that didn't mean that there was going to be, you know, no news in Yankee land, folks. Um, we mentioned Luke Voigt and how he's going to have a lot of time to, to spend with his newborn child. That's because Luke Voigt is hurt as well. Luke Voigt has a grade 2 left oblique strain. Um, now, Boone says he expects Voigt to be out a few weeks. Um, so, now, what I, I remember when Aaron Judge had an oblique strain a couple of years ago, he was actually out for, I believe it was 50-something games. So, I think we're looking at a long-term injury here with Voigt. We're already dealing with one uh, with Corey Kluber as well. I don't think Corey Kluber's coming back till August at the earliest. So we'll see um, how they survive all these injuries, not to mention Aaron Hicks is officially out for the season as well. Um, so on top of that, another injury as well. Uh, this time, and now they confirm what we already knew, basically, that Aaron Hicks was out for the season. Um, so yeah, uh, the game gets postponed on Wednesday night against the Blue Jays. That sets up a doubleheader. Uh, this is actually the Yankees' first doubleheader of the season, if I'm not mistaken. Um the first seven-inning doubleheader. I kind of like this, honestly. You know, I, look, I hate the runner-on-second rule. We've made that very clear. Cannot stand the runner-on-second rule. But seven-inning doubleheaders are something I can get behind, especially if they're single admission. You can go to two, 14 innings of baseball for the price of one. That's pretty good, if you ask me. I know a lot of people hate it and are like, oh, seven-inning doubleheaders are stupid. I'm, I'm more okay with this than the, the runner-on-second rule. And like I said, um, you know, we talked about this when Madison Bumgarner uh, threw what I consider a no-hitter. If you're going to count these as official games, you should count no-hitters as official no-hitters. So, uh, and things like that. Everything that counts, everything that counts in a regular game should count in a seven-inning game if you're going to count it as a real game as far as I'm concerned. So, uh, Yankees play a double, their first doubleheader of the year at the stadium against the Blue Jays. Um, Alec Manoa, it was the story of the first game. Um, I will give Alec Manoa some love because uh, he shut the Yankees down in his major league debut, and it was awesome to see. Look, I don't like seeing the Yankees not score runs, not being able to get hits. All that stuff sucks. I hate that. But you'd have to be a hard, hard as stone to not watch Alec Manoa's friends and his family at Yankee Stadium, his mother, who was in tears, tears of joy, watching her son pitch in the major leagues. You would have to be made of stone to not 
be appreciative of that, respect that, and he deserves some love. Like, I was really happy to see, like, it was really an awesome moment for his family. I'll give you Manoa's line to start here. Give me one second. Manoa went six innings of work, only two hits allowed, two walks, struck out seven. That is a hell of a major league debut, folks. Hard to get any better than that, if you ask me. Um, he was He's a beast. Manoa, he's just another... A-plus prospect from the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays have a ton of really good young talent, and Alec Manoa is just going to add right into the mix of it. Um, you know what it kind of reminded me of? Um, you know, I was I was a little young when this happened, but I've seen footage of it, obviously. In 1993, I think it was, Manny Ramirez made his debut for the Indians. Now, Manny Ramirez is from the same neighborhood where my parents live now, Washington Heights, and there were a lot of people from Washington Heights at the stadium cheering on Manny Ramirez specifically. Like, he had his own cheering section that night at his Major League debut at the stadium. Alec Manoa had his own cheering section at Yankee Stadium for this game. It was awesome. Respect. Absolute respect for Alec Manoa. Um, A two-hit shutout for him. And um, the Blue Jays won this game 2 to nothing. They got two home runs in the third inning off Domingo Herman. Um, Marcus Simeon... Yeah, it was back-to-back, actually. Excuse me. Yeah, it was back-to-back home runs. It was Marcus Simeon uh, hit the first one. um, And then Bo Bichette, two guys who just love to hit against the Yankees, especially Bichette. I mean, Bichette is just a monster. These guys who are just sons of major leaguers are just beasts against the Yankees. Um, Bichette, obviously... Dante Bichette's son. Dante was a great hitter in the Yankee in the major leagues for a long time, and uh, his son is turning into a hell of a player in his own right. So, um, yeah, that pretty much does it. That was it. Blue Jays won two nothing. I don't really have to give you the Yankees box score because they only got two hits. They're both from Miguel Andujar. Uh, there were two singles, and that was it. That was it for the Yankees in this game. Uh, 2-0, 7 inning, shutout loss. Now, let's get into the second game, which the Yankees won. They had to come from behind, but they did win this game. Um, let's give you the scoring. I'll give you the scoring summary from this game. Uh, started um, in the bottom of the first inning. Yankees scored the first run of the game. Uh, Gio, Gio Urshela, excuse me, hit an RBI double into the gap. Uh, that drove home DJ LeMahieu, but unfortunately... Another out at the another out on the bases as Aaron Judge is thrown out at home trying to make it two nothing. Not the last out the Yankees would make it on the make at home plate in this game. That made it one nothing. And then Bichette again. I mentioned this guy just absolutely loves to hit against the Yankees. Uh, hits a three run home run off Gumby uh, in the top of the third inning to make it three one. Um, just the bomb by Bichette, uh, second home run of the day. Um, he's just a, he's an impressive player, that, that Bo Bichette. He took a big swing and drove it way out of here. But Yankees would tie it in the bottom of the third. Uh, DJ was on first, and Aaron Judge came up. And on a 3-0 count, my dad's going to love that. Uh, on a 3-0 pitch, my dad, uh, I don't know if I've ever said this on this podcast, my dad is an advocate. If you get a 3-0 pitch and you're not swinging, you are a fool. My dad strongly believes you should swing always on 3-0. and And Aaron Judge got a pitch right down the middle from Robbie Ray, hit it to dead center to make it 3-3 on the home run. Um, in the bottom of the fourth, Gary Sanchez 
breaks the tie with his sixth home run of the year to dead set a bomb to, by Gary. Great long home run by Gary Sanchez. It's kind of funny because anytime Gary Sanchez does something good, I text <laughs> the Gary Sanchez hater brigade group chat, Dominic, Eric, Henrik, and my dad. I text them in all caps, Gary Sanchez sucks! Anytime he does anything good, and tonight was this game was no different. A home run to make it four to three Yankees in the bottom of the fourth inning. Uh, they scored another run in the bottom of the sixth inning or the bottom of the fifth inning. Aaron Judge hit a sack fly uh, to spring home Tyler Wade that made it five three in the bottom of the sixth inning. Estevan Florial, who had just been called up, uh, hits this opposite field ball. Uh, looked like it's almost, it was almost a home run. Gary Sanchez was on first, and I don't know why they sent Gary. Like, why did they send Gary Sanchez? I'll never understand that. As long as I, what was the point in sending Gary? It was out by a mile. It was out by way more than Judge was in the first inning. Like this made absolutely no sense to me. But anyway, that didn't really end up mattering because uh, Chad Green, not Chapman. Uh, Chapman was sick. Um, Chapman actually, um, I was wondering where Chat. everybody was, you know, you know how Yankee Twitter is, they love to freak out, and when Chad Green was warming up and not Chapman, everybody was like, where the hell is Chapman? We need Chapman now, but um, Chad Green came in and pitched a clean inning, a 1-2-3 inning to get the save, Jordan, uh, Jonathan Lewisinger gets credited for the win, ball game over, Yankees win 5-3, to um, I mentioned Judge had the big home run. Uh, Gary Sanchez had a big home run and two hits overall for Gary. Um, I love Florial. I'm hoping they keep Florial around personally. Uh, I think he actually got sent down after this game again. But um, I like Florial a lot. Um, I kind of view him as a piece for the future and hope he um, does a nice job for this team. Uh, DJ got two hits. The Machine. DJ LeMahieu, two for three in this game. Uh Pretty easy, you know, sucks to lose the series to Toronto. They still haven't beaten Toronto in a series yet this season. In fact, um, they are, you know, other than that one series against the Rays and the Orioles, they've kind of struggled to get big against the um, AL East um, so far this season. But they do have uh, some competition. They have some games against the AL East coming up, which we'll talk about in a second. But first, we have to recap this Detroit series. This garbage Awful, stinky Detroit series that sucked oh so much. Um, Let's start with the Friday game. I'm going to be honest. I was in full Knicks mode for this game. So I wasn't paying as close attention to this game. But I am am well aware of what happened. I, I, I know everything that happened basically in this game. Uh, Cole, let's give Cole's line. Cole started this game. It was Cole day. Not his best stuff, you know, against, he gave up six hits, but he only gave up one run. Struck out five, six innings of work for Cole. But honestly, it didn't matter because the Yankees offense, again, wasted Cole day. Again, let's just waste Cole day. DTD, best starting pitcher on the mound. Let's not score any runs. That sounds awesome, right? Ugh. That was it. Yeah, so the Yankee Tigers scored the first run of the game. Heimer Candelario hit an RBI single off Cole in the bottom of the third inning. Uh, that was it till the top of the fifth inning when Rugnet Odor hit his fifth home run of the year for the Yankees. Um, 
it was a shot to right field uh, off Mize that made it 1-1. No scoring. Both bullpens did a pretty good job. I mean, the Yankees didn't really get a ton of guys on base. I mean, let's, actually, how many people did the Yankees have on base in this game? They left 12 guys on base in this game. So, okay, I, should, I, I bite my tongue a little bit. They, they did get a lot of guys on base. But um, both bullpens did a pretty decent job. Wandy Peralta pitched a clean inning. Chad Green pitched a 1-2-3 inning. Our oldest Chapman pitched the ninth inning. I don't know. I would have waited to bring in Chapman personally, but um, they brought him in in the ninth inning, and that brought us to the tenth inning, uh, where they only scored a run. The only reason the Yankees had the lead in the top in the top of the tenth inning is because a pass ball uh, by by the catcher Rogers uh, enabled the run score. That's the only reason the Yankees had a lead after the top of the tenth inning. They didn't get a hit to drive in a run. It was a pass ball. That's it. The least exciting way to do it. But hey, they had a chance to win the game. Um, Justin Wilson was in. Justin Wilson got two outs. Robbie Grossman came up. And now it's fitting that I'm talking about Robbie Grossman in because um, he's Robbie Gross's evil twin. I'm fitting talking about him in Robbie Gross's house. But um, Justin Wilson had Robbie Grossman struck out in this game. There was a pitch. It was called a ball. It was called outside. Barely. Inches. Should have been strike three. Instead, the next pitch of the game, Robbie Grossman hits to left field, into the seats to win the game for the Detroit Tigers. Three to two off Wilson. Ball game over. Yankees lose. And it just set the tone for what was a real shitty weekend for the Yankees. It only got worse from there. I mean... Not like they were sleepwalking through the series against Detroit. Uh, the next two games were just brutal. Um, now, now, I mentioned Kluber suffered the injury. Unfortunately, we don't know how long. I mean, we don't know how long he's going to be out for, but I guess um, Davey Garcia will be the guy. Now, I like Davey Garcia a lot. I've said on this podcast, I personally always felt like he kind of got a raw deal, especially in that playoff game last year. So like they never really trust Davey Garcia. It's frustrating sometimes because he's got so much potential. Um, today was not Davey's best day, though. Uh, four and a third innings have worked. Four, four runs allowed. Um, five of the, or five runs allowed. Four of them earned. Um, yeah. Um, so let's go go into the um, the um, the scoring summary now. Yankees loaded the bases. Now, if there's one thing this team is amazing at, if there's one thing the Yankees are better at than anybody else in baseball, they are pros at this. It's hitting into double plays with the bases loaded. They've done it nine times already this year. Nine times! Are you kidding me? No other team has more than four! And that's exactly what happened in the top of the second inning. They had... The base is loaded, nobody out, and Miguel Andujar up, and everybody, if you're not a Yankee fan and you weren't thinking he's going to hit into a double play, you haven't been watching much this season, honestly. Andujar wraps into the quickest double play. Yankees score a run, it makes it one nothing. That would be the only run the Yankees would score in this game. Now, in the bottom of the second inning... With two outs, uh, Will Castro hit a ground ball to Odor. Odor tried to make like a Jeter throw. It was ill-advised. Castro would have been safe anyway. Um, And that allowed the second run to score. That made it two, one Tigers. 
In the bottom of the fourth inning, uh, Haas, I believe, hit a triple. Nico Goudram instantly hit a sacrifice fly to make it 3-1. Hang on. Back to the – hang on. I can't just skimp over the Odor era, by the way. Just more bad defense. Team can't field. It's a problem. They really can't field. It's an issue. So, yeah, Goudram hits a sacrifice fly to make it 3-1 in the bottom of the fourth inning. Uh, Condelario hits an RBI double in the bottom of the fifth inning off Davey. I believe that's what got Davey out of the game uh, at that point to make it 4-1. Uh, Miguel Cabrera hit a sacrifice fly to make it 5-1. And Jonathan Scope hit the cherry on top with a home run to make it 6-1 Tigers. I will give Albert Abreu a little bit of love. He pitched three and two-thirds innings of work. He gave the bullpen some... A much-needed day off after they, a lot of them had worked the night before. So I appreciate Albert Abreu for that. Three and two-thirds innings of work, only giving up one run. But the Yankees didn't do shit in this game. Spencer Turnbull, who pitched a no-hitter the day before Corey Kluber pitched his no-hitter, pitched five and two-thirds against the Yankees today, or on Saturday. Three hits allowed, struck out six. He now has an ERA below two. This guy's good. This Turnbull kid's really good. Uh, he led Major League Baseball in losses in 2019, but he is bouncing back in a big way for the Tigers now. Rest of the Tigers' bullpen, Cisnero, Daniel Norris, the greatly named Funkhauser, and uh, Jimenez closed the door for the Tigers. They take the series with that win on Saturday. 6-1 to one is the final. And on today, uh, the day I am recording, the game just wrapped up not long ago. Uh, Tigers completed the sweep. Yankees were once again lifeless. Um, a 6-2 loss in this one at Comerica. Um, Tigers had a 6-0 lead before you could even blink, honestly. They had a 6-0 lead in the third inning. And um, I'll give you the scoring update now. Uh, I'll give you the scoring update. Michael King started. Um, you know, he's not the you know he's not the first guy you'd want to start a game, honestly, but he did start this game, and um, right off the bat, Detroit scored two runs. Nomar Mazzara drove in two with an RBI double. Miguel Cabrera scored all the way from first. Big ol' fat Miguel Cabrera scored all the way from first on this Nomar Mazzara double. That made it 2-0 Tigers. <laughs> oh, this weekend was a disaster. This weekend was just great, folks. I just love this weekend. I'm having so much fun. <sighs> in the bottom of the third inning... Uh, another run score for the Tigers on another Glaber Torres error. Uh, just bad mistake by Glaber. What was this? Hang on. Let me give you. This was Glaber's eighth error of the season. Um, actually, he made two in this game. Excuse me. He made two throw two errors in this game. I actually forgot. We are going to talk about another one. This one scored a run. That made it 3-0. Um, and then finally, um, Detroit scored their... Uh, their last three runs on a uh, Will Castro RBI, RBI double. That was all three runs scored, cleared the bases. 6 nothing Tigers at that point. At that point, you guys know I follow a lot of Yankee Twitter uh, beat writers and you know John Boy and people like that. You know I get their tweets sent to my phone. At that point, everybody was just saying, go enjoy your Sunday. Just you know enjoy what little time left you have of your weekend. Go watch the Knicks. Do anything other than this right now. Because watching the Yankees-Tigers game right now is a waste of your time. 
Yankees did score uh, two runs in the top of the eighth inning. Uh, Glaber uh, made up for the defensive errors slightly, I guess, with an RBI single to make it 6-1. And then another... uh, Gary Sanchez got an RBI single. That's good, right? Gary Sanchez got thrown out trying to go to second. That's bad. Um, That was the last run the Yankees would score. They loaded the bases in the ninth inning. Uh, Judge came up. Uh, but he struck out to end the game, uh, and the Yankees lost 6-2. to two. Stanton, uh, since coming off the IL, I believe is 0-9 for 9 as well. I forgot to mention Stanton came off the IL on Friday, and he has not gotten a hit since that point. I mean, a lot of Yankees are really struggling to hit. I mean, Geo made an error in this game as well. Tyler Wade played center field in this game and struck out three times. Um, this was a bad loss, a bad loss, a bad series. You're better than the Tigers. You're much better than the Tigers. Okay. You, you went out there and sucked this weekend. Yankees. You got to do better than that. Okay. I shortchanged the Tigers. I didn't, I, I said the Tigers were in last place. They're actually technically tied for last place with the Minnesota twins right now. They're both 10 games back right now of, of the first place Chicago White Sox. Which, by the way, something interesting, something worth mentioning here is that the Yankees um, played all these games against the NL Central Division already this year. They went three and they won three out of four against the Cleveland Indians. They swept the Chicago White Sox. They swept the Tigers at the stadium. And then they go and get swept at Comerica. Come on, Yankees. Do better than that. Especially because they have a huge week up coming that we are going to preview right now they have a four game series against the tampa bay rays and a three game series this weekend against the boston red sox all seven of those games are enormous so that makes that the fact that they lost these three games to detroit and two out of three to the toronto blue jays as well doubly frustrating all right, let's preview uh, the Tampa Bay series. I'm, I'm pretty annoyed. I'm pretty fired up. I've been talking about how much the Yankees suck for 28 minutes now. So uh, my favorite subject. I just love when the Yankees lose. I just love when the Yankees lose. Let's get into the probable pitchers for the Tampa Bay series, starting with Monday's game. Now, mark your calendars, folks. This is, this is throwing me off, too. Tomorrow's game is at 1 o'clock. It's Memorial Day. Monday. It's, uh, it'll be today, technically, the day you're listening to this episode. Monday's game is at 1 o'clock at the stadium. It'll be Jamison Tyone on the mound for the Yankees against Rich Hill for the Tampa Bay Rays, who are in first place, I should mention. Tuesday's games at 7 o'clock for the Yankees. Actually, hang on. I'm going to go to the ESPN app for a second. because the I love the MLB app, but sometimes they don't have all the projected starting pitchers. So give me one second to go to the ESPN app. Actually, the ESPN app is being really slow right now. I apologize for that. Um, that's really annoying, but I, I did see, um, uh, the ESPN app is so annoying sometimes. All right, here we are on Tuesday. The Yankees are playing the Rays. It's a seven o'clock game, uh, at the stadium. Tyler Glass now will be on the Rays for, or be on the mound for the Rays and Domingo Herman will be on the hill for the Yankees. Like I said, that game is at 7 o'clock. On Wednesday, that game is also at 7 o'clock. It'll be Jordan Montgomery for the Yankees against McClanahan for the Rays. And then on Thursday, it's a 1 o'clock game. Uh, That's going to throw a lot of people off. But it's Cole Day at 1 o'clock at the stadium. He's going up against Ryan Yarborough, who I believe is technically an opener for the Rays. So, um... 
Yeah, look, uh, got some of your best pitchers going. You've got um, Herman, who's been good lately. You've got Cole, who's Garrett fucking Cole. So win some of these games, honestly, Yankees. Take care of business against Tampa Bay. Um, it's not going to be easy. Again, let me remind you, game one of this series is today, Monday, the day you are listening to this podcast at 1.05, first pitch time. The second game is at 7 o'clock on Tuesday, June 1st. The third game is on Wednesday at 7 o'clock, June 2nd. And the Thursday game is an afternoon game at 1.05 at the stadium. And after that, they play the Boston Red Sox first series of the year against the Boston Red Sox. I have been waiting to play the Red Sox for quite some time. In fact, I am I can't I can't remember if I've said this on the podcast or not yet, but I am planning to have Ethan Winter on next Monday's episode to recap this Yankees-Red Sox series. So stay tuned for that. Should be a lot of fun. Um, It's going to be a crazy week at the stadium. They absolutely need to bounce back against Tampa Bay and Boston. Um, These are some of your main competition for the division. These are the two teams that are ahead of the Yankees right now in the division. So win as many games as possible. Take care of business, Yankees. And... uh, Yeah, that pretty much does it. Awful weekend. Awful week with all the injuries and the losses to Toronto and Detroit. But um, bounce back against Tampa Bay. Bounce back against the Red Sox. And get the season right back on track, Yankees. All right, that just about does it for Brian's Beloved. What a crappy weekend for my teams. I am as fired up as it gets when it comes to talking about how much my teams suck, honestly. Uh, Enough of that. Let's get into today's outro. All right, folks, it's time for today's outro. You know how the outro goes. We go through all the headlines nationally and internationally that we may have missed over the last couple of days. And, folks, um, I've been down on European soccer. I've made that very clear. Um, I do not feel the same way I did about soccer, or about at least European. Like The game itself is amazing. I love it. It's still one of my favorite sports. But as far as, like, the European, like the, I felt like the the Super League was kind of like a peek into like the Sausage Factory, like the Upton Sinclair, like how it gets made of European soccer. But um, so I am still down on European soccer. I, I say all that to say I am still down on European soccer. But um, I di- I'm very excited. I I did watch yesterday's Champions League final, and I am very excited. Like I first off, I when I was an Arsenal fan or at least a, a bigger bigger Arsenal fan than I am now. Um, I used to hate Chelsea. I couldn't stand Chelsea. Now, Chelsea have one of my favorite players in the world. Um, that would be none other than Christian Pulisic, um, the American wonderkin. He's such a great player. Um, I love Pulisic. Um, I think he's just a, a star. Like, I, I think he's an absolute beast in the making. And um, I was really happy and when he went to Chelsea because it meant he would get more exposure. It meant he would have more chance at trophies, more chances at sponsorships as well. I was really happy that he got that opportunity. And since he's gone to Chelsea, he's he's kind of he's become a bigger name for sure. He scored a goal in the Champions League semifinal that helped Chelsea get to where they were in the Champions League final. So I, I'm really proud of Christian Pulisic. Even though he played, played for a team that I used to hate, I can't say I hate Chelsea anymore because he's on Chelsea. Uh, that's, I, I think a lot of Americans feel the same way as I do. But um, he made history Saturday as the first U.S. men to play and win 
a Champions League final. Pulisic, who's 22, is the record holder for goals in a season, two, <laughs> career appearances, 35, assists, seven, and minutes for an American in the competition, and added to his list of records when he replaced Timo Werner in Chelsea's with Chelsea ahead in Porto. Um, yes, I, that's all in the Champions League competition this season. He scored two he scored two goals, he had 35 appearances, and had seven assists in the Champions League. That's very impressive. Uh, with Chelsea's win, the Pennsylvania native becomes just the second American to win the Champions League, joining Johan Kowarski, who won the competition with Borussia Dortmund in 1997. But Kowarski only played just part of two group matches that season. There's no way to describe this moment. I never thought I could be here, Pulisic said after Chelsea's triumph. They won 1-0. Uh, Kai Havertz scored the game-winning goal in the 42nd minute. Um, I never thought in my life that I could be here. I hope there's some kids watching back home in America thinking they can do the same. It's massive. It's the biggest thing you can win in club football, and I'm just so proud of this team. It's a joy to be here. Um, Asked about being the first American to play in and win a Champions League final, Pulisic, who wore a U.S. soccer sweatshirt during the postgame celebration, said, that's why I'm wearing this sweatshirt. Like I said, I hope there's kids watching back home in America. You can do anything you want to, man. Pulisic had been an important contributor to Chelsea's run to the title this campaign, leading the team with three goal involvements, one goal and two assists during the knockout stage. Chelsea claimed their second European crown overall in three final appearances with Saturday's victory. They lost the 2008 final to Manchester United before dramatically beating Bayern Munich on penalties in the 2012 edition. Um, the final was originally set for Istanbul, but the decision by UK government to place Turkey on its travel red list forced UEFA to find a new host venue for the all-English match. All arrivals from Turkey into the UK must quarantine at an airport hotel for at least 10 days. There were 16,500 people in attendance with Chelsea and City each receiving an allocation of around 6,000 tickets, though the London club returned more than 800 unsold tickets. A further 1,700 tickets were released for the general public, and they sold out on Tuesday. Um, yeah, so I just want to reiterate everything Christian Pulisic says. Like, you can do anything you set your mind to. Um, the Champions League obviously has been such a historic competition, and um, you know to finally to have a player, an American player, break through on that stage and to score in the semifinal the way he did. Is awesome. I'm just so proud of Christian Pulisic. And like I said, he has made me not hate Chelsea. Um, I am rooting for him to do well. Anytime, I can all, always root for Christian Pulisic to do well. I don't care where he plays for. He could, I, you know, I used to be a big Tottenham hater as well, but he could play for Tottenham and I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't hate him, honestly. Um, I, I, just, I just love seeing the kid ball out and you know I'm I'm hopeful and optimistic for our uh, our 2022 World Cup fi- uh, host hopes um for those of you who don't know we missed the 2018 World Cup it sucked it was a lot of fun we had a chance to make it uh we were going to we were playing Trinidad and Tobago and uh we lost to put it to put it, I'll just put it that way we lost and um we didn't get to go to the World Cup in 2018 which I thought was really unfortunate for Pulisic and a lot of the younger players on this team to get that a chance. But now I'm a little excited because they're older. They've they've been um, they've been around the block a little bit more. And Pulisic's case now he's won the Champions League. 
Um, and guys like Weston McKinney are getting huge minutes at Juventus as well and places like that. I could have honestly been the best thing for us, honestly. Like we could honestly focus and have a really strong 2022 World Cup in Qatar. So um, that's what I'm hoping for. Pulisic is the future, the face, the leader of American soccer. This is a huge moment for us. Congratulations to um, to Chelsea on their Champions League victory. I feel bad for, well, not really because he's such a great manager, but Pep Guardiola uh, didn't win the Champions League with City. And that seems to be the one thing they brought him here to do, right? And it seems to avoid, like, it seems to keep avoiding Pep Guardiola. So, um, will City ever win the Champions League, period? Let alone with Guardiola? That remains to be seen. But congratulations to Christian Pulisic. Uh, huge accomplishment and uh, great for American soccer. USA, baby. USA. Uh, I'm excited for the Gold Cup this summer too. And then I don't know if we're in the Olympics, but I, I'm excited for the Gold Cup for sure. All right, this next story is not nearly as fun. It's in fact it's a little heavy. So um, bear with me for a minute here. Atlanta Braves outfielder Marcelo Zuna was arrested Saturday and charged with felony assault after he choked his wife and threw her against a wall, according to Sandy Springs, Georgia police, who said they witnessed the incident. Police charged the 30-year-old Ozuna, who was being held in Fulton County Jail, with aggravated assault by strangulation, a felony that carries a, max- a minimum of three years and ma- a maximum of 20 years in prison, and a misdemeanor of battery. The details of the alleged assault put into question Ozuna's future in baseball, with sources telling ESPN that Major League Baseball will launch an investigation that could result in a significant suspension. Further sources said the police reporting the police reported witnessing of the incident could prompt the Braves to attempt to convert Ozuna's four-year, $65 million contract non-guaranteed. At 12.26 p.m. Saturday, Sandy Springs Police responded to a 911 call and entered Ozuna's home after hearing screaming inside. According to the department, the department's account of the incident, officers, officers, the release said, witnessed the suspect grabbing the victim by the neck and throwing her against a wall. In addition to the strangulation attempts, the suspect also struck the victim with his arm, which had a cast from a previous injury. The Braves placed Ozuna on the injured list earlier this week with two broken fingers from an errant slide. His wife, police said, didn't have visible injuries but was not transported to the hospital. Yeah, this is a tough story. Um, Marcelo Zuna sounds like a terrible person. That's, that's all I've got to say on it. Like, um, He should not be forgiven for this, personally. Uh, if I were the Atlanta Braves, I would not take him back. I know like, I know he's, not a, he's a very good player, but the police witnessed this, okay? The police saw it firsthand. Are you going to discount the police? I don't think so. I don't think so for a second. I just had to give a quick update on the story because it was it did catch my attention. Marcelo Zuna is obviously a fairly big name. He had a great season last year. He almost got the Braves to the World Series last year. Um, so Ozuna is a fairly big name. So for him to to do this is whew, it's bad. And for the police to witness it, there's no coming back from it, in my opinion. I don't think Marcelo Zuna will ever play another game in Major League Baseball. Now, I've been surprised. Personally, I look, I say this knowing full well that the Yankees have two people who have been suspended for domestic violence on their team. But personally, I think Major League Baseball should have a zero-tolerance domestic violence fee uh, policy. Um, personally, 
I think everybody should have a zero tolerance. We should not accept domestic. It's not okay. It's awful. It's fucked up. Nobody should ever have to like go through something like that. And I'm, I, I feel bad for the police that even had to witness that. Honestly. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm of the team. I'm on team. Marcelo Zuna should never play baseball again. I'm sorry to throw a heavy story into the outro like this, but it caught my attention, and um, I think there should be a zero tolerance. Uh, policy in Major League Baseball for domestic violence. There's, they should not let these people back into the league. I like. I love like Chapman. Like, I love having Chapman on the team. But I'd be lying if I said that I I didn't feel a little dirty, feeling good every time he strikes somebody out and stares somebody down like that. I mean, like it's always in the back of my mind what he did, what Domingo Herman did. So it's it's awful. I I I don't think there should be any place for it. And that's pretty much all I have to say on the Marcelo Zuna incident. All right, I'm just going to very briefly do an NHL playoff update for you guys here. Um, uh, I don't even remember where we last left off, honestly, when it came to the NHL. But I'll I'll tell you what's been happening um, in some of the other series. Um, Well, first off, the Vegas Golden Knights are considered one of the best teams in the league. They had a 3-1 lead on Minnesota. Minnesota came back. And actually forced a game seven in Vegas, but unfortunately, Vegas ended their upset story uh, or that upset, upset dreams by winning six two on Friday night easily uh, in that game uh, seven uh, to advance. They play Colorado next. That's going to be a fun series, Vegas versus Colorado. It's disappointing that those two teams have to play each other now because they're two of the best teams in the league. Um, that's a matchup that could be set for the finals, honestly. But. Um, or the Western Conference Finals, at least. But uh, they'll play each other now. Uh, game one of that series is tonight, the night I'm recording, uh, Sunday night. Um, yesterday, um, I mentioned, uh, or I think I mentioned in the last episode, or yeah, in the last episode, the Islanders were up 3-2. Um, they came back, they won against Pittsburgh in double overtime uh, on the Tristan Jari mistake. The Islanders ended up winning game six at the Nassau Coliseum, like I thought they would. Uh, forcing a second-round matchup with the Bruins. Um, now, game one was last night. I tried to watch as much of it as I could. Honestly, I was I was really tired. I ended up falling asleep. Uh, when I fell asleep, it was a 2-2 game. And when I woke up, the Bruins had scored three unanswered goals to win 5-2. So I texted two people. Uh, I texted one. I texted Pat Hone, and I said, I'm sorry, I fell asleep. That must have been the reason the Islanders uh, lost last night. <laughs> And then I texted Ethan Winter, who is a big Boston Bruins fan. Like, I fell asleep and the Bruins won 5-2. You're welcome. <laughs> so um, I guess uh, maybe it worked. I don't know. Maybe it worked. But Boston has a, a one nothing lead in that series. Uh, let me see if I have the um, – David Pasternak had a hat trick. He's a beast. Uh, Pasta, um, a really good player. By the way, I'm at Robbie Gross's house. Can I do something? I just want to make sure. I'm at Robbie Gross's house. He's not here. I'm going to do something right now that I can only do in Robbie Gross's house while he's not here. Tom Wilson is a goon! That feels good. That feels good. Um, anyway, um, anyway, the Bruins won that game 5-2 to two, uh, last night to take a one nothing lead. Game 2 of that series is Monday night uh, at, at 7.30. Um, we'll see if the Bruins can take a 2 nothing lead. That's the first series... 
to go to the second round. Uh, we have a couple second round matchups. One of them just already started. I'm actually going to put that on. I'm at Robbie's house and he's got three TVs. So I'm going to put one of the TVs on the Lightning Hurricanes game. Uh, I have some friends that are Hurricanes fans. Um, they were woo, They were an emotional wreck after that, that Carolina-Nashville series. A lot of overtime games, a lot of stressful games. Carolina ended up winning that series in six games, and now they play Tampa Bay, who won the Stanley Cup last year, obviously. Um, they're a pretty good team in their own right. Um, <laughs> so that's a fun series. I'm going to keep my eye on that one, but I know North Carolina is really excited about the Hurricanes right now and are really fired up about the Hurricanes. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep my eye on that series. And then the other game one of the series is, uh, tonight is, I already mentioned it, Vegas versus Colorado. Uh, we'll see how that game goes a little bit later. Um, but, yeah, um, the, uh, there's a game seven tomorrow night between the Maple Leafs and the Canadiens. Um, that has been a fun series. I thought the Maple, that's another series that was 3-1, but the Canadians have come back. I believe they won game five in overtime, and then they won game, actually, I believe they won game six in overtime. Well, actually, uh, yes, they won game six last night in overtime, and I believe game five, yes, game five was also in overtime. So this has been a damn good series between Montreal and, uh, Toronto, um, in fact, I think Montreal had fans in the arena for the first time all season um, this this year uh, um, in game um, six of that series uh, that was last night that they won in overtime. So um, we'll see how that game seven of that series goes. Um, but yeah, um, that's pretty much the breakdown of the bracket for now. We have um, Lightning Hurricanes in one round, uh, Golden Knights Avalanche in one in another, uh, Islanders Bruins in another, and uh, the Can- the Canada series, uh, the the Jets, the Winnipeg Jets swept the Edmonton Oilers. The last game went to triple overtime. That sucks. Sucks to be an Edmonton fan and to lose that game. Um, so whoever wins this Maple Leafs Canadian series uh, will play the uh, Edmonton or I'm sorry, the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, in the Canada final, um, and then um, things are going to get a little interesting. I'm, I'm interested to see how they're going to handle the border uh, restrictions. Um, obviously, Canada hasn't quite opened up the way we have yet. In fact, I've heard they're like way behind on like vaccines and stuff in Canada. Like every, everybody I know in America who's wanted to get the vaccine has gotten the vaccine by now. In Canada, I think they're f- even like further behind everyone else so um we'll see if they can get people across the border hopefully sooner rather than later they're gonna have to figure it out soon um i think one idea i've heard floated around is that the canadian team could um end up like bubbling up a little bit or bubbling in buffalo uh and using that as a home base and honestly i think that would be good for the maple leaves personally if it were if it were the maple leaves i don't know how it would be for the winnipeg jets but the, i mean if it was the maple leaves in buffalo you could get fans in there there are a lot of maple leaves fans in buffalo you can get a lot of fans in that building i think i think it could be a good idea to have whoever wins this north division for canada uh uh saddle up in buffalo until the playoffs are over well we'll see how it goes um, I'm excited for, like, I, I, I mentioned how, um, 
one of the reasons I was really down on hockey this year was the fact that it's just the same teams playing each each other over and over again. And I even talked to guys like Anna or people like Anna, not guys like Anna, people like Anna who were like, yeah, I agree with you that it gets really repetitive playing the same damn teams over and over again. So one thing I'm looking forward to is this round being over. As soon as it's over, the better as far as I'm concerned because then we're going to get into the um, the the teams playing each other from teams from other divisions for the first time in a while. So um, yeah, um, I I think that's, that's pretty much all I have to to say on that. Um, Ethan wanted me to um, add a quote here from Jalen Brown about the because I told Jalen I told um, I told um, Ethan what I said about Kyrie um, about um, Kyrie saying about the racism, and he told me to read what Jalen Brown said on the podcast as well. Uh, I have very stupid ads. I hate pop-up ads. Uh, But I very quickly scrolled uh, through um, Jalen Brown, uh, through the internet, and found Jalen Brown's quotes. Here we are. All right, here we are. Ethan wanted me to share this. This is Jalen Brown's thoughts on what Kyrie Irving said about the racism in Boston. I have a bear in mind. I'm reading this. This is the first time I've actually seen these quotes. So um, I'm reading this call for the first time, giving you my reaction live. I have a perspective to share. I've kind of seen things, the things floating around with Boston and the topics of racism. People around me urge that I should share my perspective. I have not talked to anyone, Kyrie, Marcus, or Danny Ainge. Marcus Smart, Danny Ainge both made comments about this about my thoughts or my perspective, but I do think it's a good conversation. I think that racism should be addressed and or systematic racism or systemic racism, excuse me, should be addressed in the city of Boston and it should also be addressed in the United States. However, I do not like the manner it was brought up in terms of centering it around a playoff game. It bothers me if the, con- the construct of racism, right? It's used as a crutch or an opportunity to execute a personal gain. I'm not saying that's the case, but I do think racism is right now bigger than basketball. Racism, first off, I think racism is bigger than basketball, period, personally. But that's, um, and I do think racism is bigger than game three of the playoffs. Yes, he's, he's, he adds to that. So I want to urge the media to paint the narr- that narrative as well, because when it's painted that in that manner, it's insensitive to people who are actually dealing with racism on a daily basis. The constructs and the constraints of systemic racism in our school system, inequality in education, lack of opportunity, lack of resources, adequate housing, affordable housing, adequate health care, tokenism, and the list goes on. So I recognize my privilege as an athlete. Once you get to a certain point, nothing that you experience overtakes that experiences that people deal with on a daily basis. So I want to emphasize that as well. I understand the frustration right now. I've seen what's going on in sports and sporting arenas with the two incidents, obviously with Russell Westbrook and Trey Young. And I'm pissed, to be honest. I don't think we should have to put up with that. And by I don't think that that's okay by any means necessary. But when I look in the media and I see those incidents attached to like a frame of racism, and yes, I think it's important to address these situations. But if the topic is racism, I don't think that these incidents don't compare or that his belligerent comments don't compare to what systemic racism is currently doing in our community and has done so in the past. So I think it's important to frame them in a concept. This kind of goes on, but I'll read... Actually, it's not too much further. I'll finish this off. I think that racism... I think that not every Celtics fan I know that... I know that not every Celtics fan in our arena is a racist, 
We have people of all walks of life, ethnicities, colors that are diehard Celtics fans. So I think by painting every Celtics fan as a racist would be unfair. However, Boston, we've got a lot of work to do. No question. The incarceration rate is ridiculous. The wealth disparity is embarrassing. The inequality of an education, specifically in Boston public schools, needs to be better. There is a lack of resources here. The lack of opportunity. The tokenism here in Boston needs to be addressed as well. But if we're going to talk about it and what the media is going to bring up, I think at a sporting arena, things might exist. But in the real world, things exist to far different extremities. So I definitely want to share my perspective. And this is my opinion, of course. And people can challenge that. I definitely think Boston, we've got a lot of work to do. That's it, really. I'm not really answering any questions, guys. I just wanted to share my perspective. Thank you. I really like that from Jalen Brown. Um, I, I thought that was... I think that puts a lot of things in perspective. I think, you know, he's right. Like, this is much bigger than Game 3 of a playoff series. This is much bigger than... Um, basketball in general, racism is an issue, period. Like, it's just it's always been a problem, and it's always been a problem in Boston as well. And he's right. They have a lot of work to do. We as a country have a lot of work to do. And, um, Ky- look, Kyrie has a, like, he, he's, he makes some good points. Kyrie has a right to call it out for sure, but to, like, frame it around a sporting event, which has nothing to do, like, I'm sure, like I said, nobody was thinking about this at all. Like, I'm not saying Boston fans are going to be racist now, but like nobody was thinking about this at all before Kyrie Irving brought it up. And now that they are, it's becoming a big issue. And um, I just, I really like Jalen Brown's quotes. I'm, I'm glad I read the whole thing. I'm glad I read his whole statement. I'm sorry if I didn't do a really good job conveying it, but I thought his message was great. And um, I thank you to Ethan Winter for telling me to read that on air because. I really like that from Jalen Brown, and I think that's a good way to end today's episode of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. Don't be racist, folks. Racism is awful and wrong, and if you are a racist, don't listen to this podcast. Don't talk to me. I want nothing to do with you as far as I'm concerned. Um, Thank you for listening to today's episode of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at UFRWBB. Follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at bbrian1991. Thank you to Robbie Gross and Liz Gross for letting me stay in their house this weekend. I really appreciate it. I've had a great time hanging out at their house this whole weekend. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. Thank you for listening to today's episode, folks, and I'll talk to you next time.